Good morning, Village Park. It is great to see all of you here today. Kind of got a little bit of a different setup. And so um, I really hope that you guys um, are doing well. We're here on day, I think it's about 945 of the coronavirus shutdown. So hopefully all of you guys are, uh, are surviving this. I want to welcome everybody to our online service this morning at Village Park Church. I hope that you were able to, before the service, uh, listen to some music, kind of get, get your heart ready for receiving the word today. I hope you got your Bible, got some coffee, got your family uh, gathered around. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you. Uh, to open it to the book of Philippians. And and our approach to these online gatherings has been kind of unique compared to what I, I've seen other folks doing, but we really love the interactive nature of being able to go live and make sure that uh, we can have some dialogue. And so our uh, staff and elders, Jonathan and Charles and Solomon, are right now uh, logged in and watching as well. And so through the course of uh, the talk today and the message, I'm going to ask you guys to kind of interact a little bit, share some things in the comments, and those guys are going to uh, respond to you live right as this thing is going on. And so it's been really great to see everybody interacting. I've been hearing a lot of good feedback about families getting together and enjoying, uh, you know, just having this time together with their kids. So I want you to have your kids with you. I want us to interact together. Um, but I tell you, uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, back in, in 2017, I believe it was, when Hurricane Harvey uh, came through the Houston area. And I remember, you know, the predictions coming in about um, how long this rainstorm was going to last. And our neighborhood, right behind our neighborhood, is Willow Creek. And as, when the rain started, I'm not kidding you, every day and sometimes multiple times per day, I would go out uh, to 2920, the road that leads into our neighborhood, and I would go and check that creek. Uh, just because we knew that this had never happened before. We had never had a rain uh, experience like that or a storm that was going to bring just catastrophic flooding. And so there was a lot of uncertainty about what that was going to mean for our neighborhood. I didn't know if we would flood or something like that. And, and uh, I just don't deal really well with uncertainty. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to know. I like to be able to predict things. I don't like curveballs that kind of get thrown. But I feel like right now all of us have, uh, you know, there's just so much chaos going around right now and you know every day they're giving a new update on the coronavirus and its spread and it's you know how long is this going to go on and there's just so much uncertainty and that really just makes me crazy and maybe that's the way uh, that you are as well but uncertainty is something that we're all facing right now uh, the stock market jobs the economy what's the impact of this how long is this going to last I know that a lot of Moms are wondering, uh, how long is this homeschooling thing going to last? And, and even like, what are the expectations really? I mean, how can we realistically be working a job, but also, you know, having to teach our kids? And so uh, it's just kind of a crazy time. So I want us to interact a little bit about this uh, right off the bat in, in two ways. For the adults, I want you to uh, share maybe an emoji or a comment about how you respond to uncertainty when they're things that are unknown. What, what would be a good way that uh, you would express how you feel in times of uncertainty? And then once you've done that, if you've got kids, I want you to ask them, I want you to ask them how they feel about not knowing whether or not there's going to be school this year, and then to share maybe their emoji. This is how your kid feels about the uncertainty that they face right now. But what I found is that 
when we feel when things are uncertain, when there's uncertainty in our lives, a lot of times we get stressed, we get worried, we feel anxious, we have fear. And so um, a few months ago, my heart had been really drawn to lead our church through a study of the book of Philippians. And then when the coronavirus thing uh, hit, I just didn't know exactly what we should do. Should I go forward with that? But as I began to pray, um, you know, and, and ask the Lord for clarity, my, my heart was really drawn to this book because I think it's it's the perfect book for us right now and what we're facing. Uh, if you know anything about the, the book of Philippians, Paul was writing while he was under house arrest uh, in Rome, and he was kind of awaiting news of what his sentence was going to be. And you'll see as we kind of go through here today, that could have included uh, death. And I, I thought about that, that Paul writes this letter while he's under house arrest. And I think that we can all kind of relate to that. You know, you're limited on uh, visitations and who can come see you. You're limited on your travel, limited on your interactions with people. And at this time, when Paul is writing this letter, his life was kind of like ours. It's just complete chaos, was cut off from, from normal interactions, from his normal freedoms. His Some of his freedoms were limited because of, of where he was. And and he had what, what I've seen people talking about, kind of getting used to the new norm. You know, this is the new, norm, the new norm. And Paul was adjusting to that. And he writes some letters while he's under house arrest in prison. And Philippians is one of those uh, letters. And so Paul is writing to a group of Christians in an uncertain time in his own life. In fact, if you look in, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25... He's been in prison in Rome. His life is on the line. And on, on one hand, he writes in verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. But then if you look to chapter 2 and verse 17, you'll see that he says, but even if my life is to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your, your faith, what, what he's saying is, on one hand, he's saying, I know that I'm going to get through this and I'm going to remain and I'm going to be here and continue ministering. But then he's also saying, but yet at the same time, Maybe I get, maybe my life is sacrificed for the sake of Christ. And so there was a lot of uncertainty. Yet in Philippians 2, 17, he wrote, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. And what I find interesting about the book of Philippians is Paul is writing, he uses the word rejoice eight times. Now remember, he's writing under house arrest in prison. Uh, he uses the word joy five times. He uses the word glad twice and abound twice and the word peace three times. And and Paul is in prison, not knowing what's going to happen to him. And he writes this letter to these Christians. And he's talking about these things that, honestly, if we were in his shoes, just speaking for me, I don't know that I could write those same words. He's talking about rejoicing and finding joy and peace and comfort during that time of great uncertainty. But as you read the book of Philippians, what you find is that there is an enviable calmness in Paul in the midst of all the chaos around him. And here's the question that I want to answer today. What's the secret sauce? What's the secret to having calm in the midst of chaos? One of the things I've heard people talking about as a result of the shutdown uh, is that they just want to go out to eat at a restaurant. And one of my favorite places to eat here in Houston is Papacitos. And I love the Papacitos fajitas. And to me, they're the best in Texas. They're the best hands down. And so years ago, I was doing college ministry and young adults ministry at Berean Baptist Church. And we took a young adults trip and we were going to take the kids up there uh, just for a, a weekend, kind of a retreat. And so we were planning out the menu and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to make some fajitas for them. And so I kind of 
at the time, this is a long time ago, kind of thought, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at grilling. And so I went online and I looked up some uh, recipes because I wanted to make Papacitos fajitas. So I Googled, you know, Papacitos, Papacitos fajita recipe. And, and of course, Papacitos wasn't going to give their recipe out, but there were a lot of people claiming that they had kind of the secret recipe to make fajitas that are just like the ones you'll find at Papacitos. And so I found one. It looked good, it sounded amazing, and so I followed all the instructions to a tea. I marinated the, the beef and uh, did it a day in advance, and so we took the, the young adults up there, and then I got the grill out, fired it up, and I followed all the instructions exactly like they said to on that recipe. And I'm not kidding you, man. When they started eating those fajitas immediately, I, I realized, like, this is not anything like Papacito. Those things were like trying to eat a belt. And in fact, you know, that was probably 15 years ago, uh, some of the young adults still make fun of me because of those fajitas, how, how tough they were. And, and I thought as, I, as we were eating them that night, like this person has no idea what the secret is to making fajitas like papacitos. They have no idea what the secret recipe is. And so uh, I, I want you to share just for a second, just to kind of interact a little bit. Have you ever had one of those times where you had a recipe that you were wanting to share or to do, but it was a complete recipe fail? And so I thought we might have a little bit of fun there. Mine was trying to make fajitas just like Papacitos, and I found in that there's no way that I could do it. I didn't have the secret sauce. But, but here's the thing I, I want to know is what, what is the secret that Paul has in the midst of all the chaos that he found himself in to have calm? So this week I went online, I just Googled, how do people deal with uncertainty? And what I found in the uncertainty, uh, excuse me, what I found was a Forbes article and the title of the article was 11 Ways Successful People Overcome Uncertainty. And this is not a joke. You can look it up yourselves. This was number one. This was the number one way that successful people overcome uncertainty. They quiet their limbic systems. Now, I want you to just let that set in for a minute. That successful people overcome uncertainty by quieting their limbic systems. And I read that and thought, now how in the world is that going to help some person deal with uncertainty? I don't know what the limbic system controls. I don't know what thought processes are there, but I know that there was some stuff in there. But with all this uncertainty, imagine if I came to you and said today, look, the key to, to uh, facing uncertain times is to just quiet your limbic system. You would probably shut down the camera because you say you don't really know what the secret is. But Paul has a secret. And I want us to read it in, in Philippians chapter 4, and I want us to begin at verse 10. He says this to the Philippian believers, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And what Paul is talking about there is the Philippian believers about 10 years prior to this letter had sent uh, some relief and some help to Paul on his for his ministry work. And so he He's basically telling them that I know that you've cared for me all that time, but you haven't had an opportunity. But now the Philippians have sent uh, some things to his aid to help him in the ministry that God has given. In verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Don't you wish that that was true of you? Notice what he says in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance 
and need. I mean, don't you wish that what Paul is saying in verse 11 and verse 12 was true of you, that whatever situation you find yourself in, that you would be content, that, that you would be steady, that there wouldn't be these ups and downs that so many of us feel. He's saying if, if I've got $10 in the bank or I've got $10,000 in the bank, regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to be content. Whether you receive a promotion at work or you lose your job, I have learned to be content. And I want to focus for a minute on something in verse 11. If you're not there yet, I want you to be encouraged today. If, if, you, if you find yourself too up and down when things are uncertain, I want you to know that you're in good company. Because notice in verse 11 what Paul says. He says, I have learned this. This is not something that he got naturally. It's not something that he just got innately. It's not that he had a certain gift per se. What he's saying is, I've learned this in my life. I've learned the secret to being content in life. And verse 13 is the secret. Let's read together in verse, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. I want you to underline Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Highlight it, memorize it, and let it sink into your hearts. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In fact, I want you to just take a moment because this helps it kind of, I think, get into our minds and our hearts. In the comment section, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to just type out Philippians 4.13. Type it out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because this is what Paul says is the secret to having calm when everything around you is in complete chaos. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice in verse 12, he says that he has learned the secret of facing plenty or having a lot and not having anything, having abundance and being in need. And the secret is this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul is saying there is really profound because he says, first of all, I can do, and the, and the Greek language there, it means to be strong or to have strength. In other words, I can be strengthened or be strong in whatever circumstances I find myself in. And notice the last part of verse 13, through Christ who strengthens me. That phrase who strengthens me, it means to put power in. In other words, Christ is going to give me the strength to face anything that I may face. I can face my fear with courage through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome my own insecurities through Christ who strengthens me. If I lose my job, I can face that uncertainty with strength and I can face that battle with courage because Christ strengthens me. If fear is all around me and there's nothing but negative news and bad things happening, no matter what's going on, I can take heart because it's Christ who strengthens me. When everything is uncertain, I know this one thing is certain, and that is that God will give me the strength to face it. But I have to tell you that Paul reveals his secret here in verse 13. But it's not a secret that everyone enjoys. In other words, although the secret is available, not everyone has it. Not everyone has the same calm in the midst of the chaos like Paul did. Not all of us can write a letter like Paul did to these Philippian believers. If you begin 
at chapter 1 and verse 1 and read all the way to chapter 4 and verse 23, you'll just find that Paul, in the midst of all this craziness, there's just this calmness, this peace that Paul has. And that's the secret. The secret is, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But again, even though he reveals the secret, not everyone gets to enjoy it. Not everyone has it. In fact, if you've looked around on social media as people are posting their thoughts about uh, the state of things in the world right now, you can hear that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic going on. There are a lot of people that are worried. There are people that are anxious and stressed out. I was reading this, this week some statistics in Harris County where our church is that the number of, of uh, calls into the suicide helpline in Harris County have increased by over 20% since this shutdown has started. People are stressed and people are worried. And Paul, who had calm in the midst of the chaos, says, here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And although that secret is available, not everyone has it. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're struggling with having peace or calm in the midst of all this chaos right now. But I want to share with you what it means when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I want us to go back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1 and begin at the beginning of this book. And over the next few weeks, we're just going to be working through it verse by verse and section by section. But in verse 1, Paul writes this of chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers or the pastors and deacons, notice verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, Paul in verse 1 calls himself and Timothy, who was his fellow minister, he calls him a servant calls themselves servants of Jesus Christ. That word servants there, sometimes when we think about it, it has a negative connotation, but Paul uses the word here to describe a servant who willingly commits himself to a master that he loves and respects. It's someone that, that he has great respect and love for, and so Paul says he is a servant of Jesus Christ. But notice in verse 1 that, that Paul is writing to a select group of people. He calls them the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi with the pastors and the deacons. Now, depending on what your church background and, and culture is, you might think of the word saint. You might think of that uh, as a word that is used just for people who are, are super spiritual people that have kind of gotten to another lay, uh, level of spirituality. But that's not what the Bible teaches about saints. The Bible teaches that every person who is in Christ, every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ is a saint, that we are set apart from our sin, that we are redeemed by our sin, from our sin, excuse me, and we are set aside by God to be used by him. And so when Paul is talking about, or when he uses the word saints in verse one, he's talking to every believer in the churches in Philippi. And in verse two, we find this amazing phrase, Paul writing to Christians says this in verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two words, grace and peace. And as I thought about what we're going to, what I was going to share today, those two words just kept recycling in my heart over and over again that what people need is God's grace and what people need is God's peace. 
That word grace, it's the undeserved favor of God. And that word grace brings us face to face with this reality that the only way any of us can be a saint, any of us, the only way that any of us can have a relationship with God, it is going to be only by God's grace that we have a relationship with God. And so Paul reminds these believers of their relationship with God by speaking to them the word grace, grace to you. It reminds all of us that word grace, it means undeserved favor. And it reminds us that we are sinners, that all of us have sinned before God and that he gives us his favor, not because of what we have done, but because of his great love and his mercy and his kindness and his grace. He shows us grace. And in that word, we're reminded that we're not worthy of the cross. We're not worthy of a relationship with God. We're not worthy of being a saint. We're not worthy to have that relationship with God. Yet God, in his matchless grace, sent Jesus to the earth to die for our sins. The Bible is clear that all of us are not at peace with God. That we have all sinned before God. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says that we are enemies of God, that we have all gone against God with our lives. We have done things that we shouldn't do, but yet God, to bring us into his family, to forgive us, to redeem us, to give us peace, he had to show us grace. And so in that word, Paul reminds those saints of their salvation in Jesus Christ. So he says the word grace to you. And for those who are believers who are, who are gathered with us today to worship, I want you to remember that, that in the arms of God, we find arms of grace and we are covered completely by his undeserved favor. But in verse two, he also uses a second word and it's the word peace. Grace to you and peace. That word peace, it's the state of freedom from war. When you think about war, you think of differing ideas and you think of conflict and, and many people don't have peace with God. They're, in fact, at war with God. And some of them are at war with God because they simply don't want to surrender their lives to God. Some are at war with God maybe because some things in their lives have happened that they didn't like, that they didn't understand, and they question God and his goodness in the midst of all that. But Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through or by means of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of different ideas when it comes to uh, what people think it takes to have a relationship with God. They think in order to have a relationship with God and to have his grace and peace in our lives that we've got to go through all these religious rituals and, and we have to do this and this and jump through all these religious hoops. But what God says to us in his word is that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ. You don't get to peace with God by coming through a pastor or a priest. You have peace with God by coming directly to God through the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And notice in verse 2 what Paul says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our family's been really blessed. We live on an amazing street. We've got amazing uh, neighbors. And so uh, because the kids are home from school, uh, we're trying to not go crazy in our houses like I know so many of you are as well but so sometimes the kids in, on the street get out in the in the cul-de-sac and they play baseball and so I'll go out there and play with them and I'm the all-time uh, pitcher and so we'll go out there and play with the kids and it's, it's really cool the kids uh, start playing I pitch the ball to them and every kid out there calls me Mr. Robbie that's 
who I am to them. But there are a few exceptions to that. There are a few kids that don't call me Mr. Robbie. They call me Dad. Because they're my kids. I'm their father. And they're my kids. And in order to have Paul's secret that he said in chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have to be able to say what Paul says in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, in order for you to have God's peace in your life, you have to be able to say of God that God is my Father. And I know that a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I must be right with God because my parents were Christians or uh, my wife is a Christian or my husband is a Christian or we've kind of gone to church. That's not what it's about. It's not about whether other people have peace with God. It's about whether you can call God your father. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And by using that word, our, he, he's reminding them that they are children of God. And you see, as a child of God, we see things differently because our father treats us as his children. We can say, as Paul did in, in chapter one and verse six, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, as his child, God is going to do the work in you that he promised that he would to bring you to salvation and to bring you into the image of his son. You can know, as Paul did in chapter one and verse 12, that everything that God allows in your life as your father, God has allowed it in your life to bring other people into a relationship with himself as well. Notice what Paul says in chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So why has God allowed us in the situation that we find ourselves in? Why had God allowed Paul to be uh, in prison? Was it because of some grotesque sin in Paul's life? No, Paul was put in prison and Paul realized that because God was his father, God had allowed this to happen in his life so that the gospel, the good news of what it, what it means to have a relationship with God would go forth in Paul's life. And when you're his child, you know that, that everything that God allows in our lives is for a purpose. And that purpose is ultimately to draw us and other people into a relationship with God. When you know that God is your father, you can say, as Paul did in verse 21, if you notice in chapter 1 and verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One of the greatest fears that so many people have and one of the reasons that we're, we're trying to stop the spread of the coronavirus is that many people are, are fearful of if they got really sick or their loved, one did, loved ones uh, did, that they would die. And death is such a scary subject. But for Paul, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a win-win situation when you're a child of God that no matter what God allows in our lives, we know that he is ultimately doing it as our father. And in the end, we win. In difficult times of uncertainty, when you know that God is your father, you can say, as Paul did in chapter 2 and verse 15, that we are called to shine as lights in the world. In chapter 2 and verse 13, no matter what comes, God is your father is at work in your life to do his will and to bring about good. And so I want you to see that it's this. Here's the connection that Paul in chapter 4 and verse 13 tells you, look, if you want calm in the midst of the storm, Regardless of what your circumstances are, if you want to be content, here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret, but not everybody has it. 
because not everyone has placed their faith in Jesus Christ and can say that God is their father. You see, Christ will only strengthen and, and live inside those who have given up on themselves and placed their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. And in chapter 3 of the book of, book of Philippians, you'll find that Paul, as describing what his life was like before Christ. If you look in the first part of chapter 3, he talks about his education, that he was a very religious person, that, that he thought he was doing things when he persecuted the church. He was trying to serve God. But notice what Paul said in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What Paul said was, here's how he came into a relationship with God. Everything that he was counting on before he counted those things as garbage for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ personally in his own life. The secret to the calm in the storm is not another book. The secret to peace is not in you becoming a better version of yourself. The secret to the calm in the storm is what Paul learned in his own life. It's Christ. And although not everyone enjoys this secret, I want you to know today this. It is a secret that everyone can enjoy. You can have calm and peace in the midst of this uh, shutdown. You can have calm in the midst of this chaos. You can learn to be content in whatever stage of life that you're in. But the secret is in Christ. It is only possible for those who, like Paul, have given up on everything that they're counting on to be right with God, and they place their faith and their hope only in Jesus Christ. It's only for those who could say, as Paul did, that God is my Father. Those who have, Paul did, uh, who have, as Paul did, counted everything but loss for the surpassing joy of knowing Jesus. I told you that Paul, in this letter, had this amazing calm and he repeated all these different words as you read through his letter to the Philippians. He uses words like rejoice and joy and glad and abound and peace and grace. But there's one word that's repeated more than any other word throughout this entire letter. And it is the source of joy and peace and grace and rejoicing and calm and abounding. It's a word that's used 37 times in this letter. Paul used this word 37 times, and this is the secret. The word is Christ. That word Christ, it's actually a title that denotes that, that Jesus is the king and he is the Lord of our lives. What I want you to know today is this, that knowing Christ is the key to knowing peace. Knowing Christ is... That is the calm that you are seeking in the midst of this storm. So maybe some of you have been struggling with peace because you've never in your heart placed your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ. Today, right where you're sitting, on your couch, with your family, in your heart, you can have the same peace that Paul had in the midst of his chaos, in the midst of his storm. He said, I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. Paul knew that the source of peace and joy and grace is not found in religion. It's found in Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've never done that before, right there where you're sitting in your heart, give up on everything that you're counting on to be right with God and get you through the, the rest of this life and place your faith and your hope in Christ. And maybe some of you are believers. You've placed your faith in Christ, but in the midst of the storm, you haven't had peace. Maybe today you just need to be reminded that what strengthens you right now is not going to be a check that comes from the government. It's not going to be some new vaccine that is found. What gives us strength in the midst of the chaos, what gives us calm in the storm is the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. You have to be reminded, who is strengthening me through all of this? Are you trusting God as Paul did to take care of you? That no matter what you face in your life, you know without any doubt that God is with you and that God will give you the strength to overcome whatever it is that you're facing. I read the story uh, years ago. I, I love the story. It's about a boy that was in a sandbox and he was playing there with some of the other kids and then all the kids kind of left and so he had the sandbox all to himself. And he wanted to kind of clear out the sandbox and make everything really nice and calm and flat and he wanted to flatten everything out but there was this huge rock that was sitting in the sandbox kind of near the corner. And so this boy started taking out all the toys out of the sandbox, all the trucks and the shovels and he started kind of leveling it out and then he got over to where that rock was and the boy's dad was sitting on a bench really close by and uh, as the boy was struggling the dad just watched him and he watched the boy try to lift it up try to dig out the sand from around it and no matter what he tried he just simply couldn't get that rock out of the sandbox and he got really frustrated he got really uh you know discouraged by it and the little boy began to cry in the sandbox and so the dad who had been watching saw him get to that point and walked over there and then he he knelt down and, and he lifted that rock out of that sandbox with the greatest of ease. And the little boy watched his dad lift that rock out and he said, Dad, I, I had done everything I could to get that rock out and I, I tried to dig it out, I tried to pry it out, I tried to push it out and I just couldn't get it out. And the father responded to the child, he said, you didn't do everything that you could have. You could have simply asked me and I would have come and removed the rock for you. You see, I think in our culture, we are so self-reliant that it's difficult for us to both remember whose we are and that it is God who will give us the strength for the battle. I think too many times we try to be self-made people. We rely on our own strength, our own ingenuity, our own way of doing things. And what God is simply saying is, I'm the strength that you will need. I can do all things not through your ingenuity. I can do all things not through your ideas. I can do all things, Paul said. This is the key. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is the one who can remove the struggles in our lives. God is the one who can give us peace and calm in the midst of the storm. In these moments, we need to be reminded, I'm a child of God. He's my father. He will strengthen me. He's with me, and he will give me the courage that I need to face this battle. So I want to ask you to just respond today just with, with one, uh, one idea, one comment on our thread here. Are you struggling to trust God 
for what you need right now? Are you struggling to trust God? If so, if, if there's an area where you're struggling to trust God, would you just simply comment on our feed here? And we would love to just put you on a, a, our prayer list and just pray for you and reach out to you and encourage you. What I want to encourage all of you with today is this, to trust him. That peace in the midst of the storm is found in Christ. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today I hope that you will. I hope that you will realize that peace with God is only possible when you in your heart place your faith in Jesus. And as a child of God, maybe you've forgotten that you belong to him. I want you to be reminded today that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Will you pray with me today? Father, I pray for your perfect peace to fill the hearts of every person who is gathered together to worship today. Even if we have to gather virtually, we, we hate the circumstances that we're in, Lord. We confess that to you, that we don't like what we're in. But in the midst of this, we know that we can do all things through you. And so I pray that every person who's listening today would have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That they would know that you are their father because they place their hope and their trust in what Jesus did for them on the cross. And remind us today, God, not to rely on our own strength, but to rely completely upon you to help us in these circumstances that we find ourselves in today. And we pray this to be done in Jesus' name. Amen.